boys, welcome back. Episode 39 of the Review Podcast. It's just me today. I'm actually, this is the first time I'm ever recording a podcast from my car. I'm on the highway right now. I just picked up my car from a nice little oil change. And uh, Chase was going to call in and try and join us, but uh, I don't want to mess with my phone. Uh, I've got it in a good spot right now to hear my voice. So we're just going to roll with this right now, and, uh, and we'll see what happens. So, uh, yeah, today... Big day in the sports world, huge, huge day in the sports world. Uh, mainly in the hockey world, uh, we've got the official start of NHL playoffs, really. Um, I don't know if you want to call it the official start because of, uh, because of the qualifying round that, that was played uh, these past, this past week or so. But uh, we're, we're down to a 16-team bracket now. And there are some exciting matchups. So before the game, uh, first game starts in about an hour. Uh, I believe Blue Jackets and Lightning are uh, facing off in just over an hour. So I wanted to get the predictions out there, talk a little bit about it, do kind of a pick em thing, just talk about the series a little bit while I have this uh, while I have this time, a nice drive by myself, have a nice talk with you guys, and uh, hopefully get the predictions uh, out there, and then we can start recording podcasts regularly about these games. But uh, it's an exciting time in the NHL to be able to uh, to start playoffs. We, we didn't know with the coronavirus what was going to happen with the playoffs. Thankfully, uh, we are all good, and, uh, and we have started the, uh, the official, I guess, put quotes around official, but we're, we're, in, the, uh, we're in the official 16-team um, bracket like we're used to with the NHL. It is happening in August, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to go into September and October so we can get a Stanley Cup champion, but I'm excited to say the least. I'm excited to watch and I'm excited to, from a podcaster, journalist, whatever TBR is standpoint, I'm excited to talk about it. So let's break it down game by game right now. Uh, first, I just want to say that all kudos should be going to the NHL right now. They've done a phenomenal job putting this whole thing together and you really get to see especially in the age of the coronavirus, we're getting to see how much effort and how much thought has to go into each little decision that's being made by the NHL just for these playoffs to, to happen, let alone the fact that you're in the middle of a global pandemic and that these players are getting tested for the coronavirus and the, the coaches and staff members, they're getting tested around the clock, basically, for the coronavirus. And the fact that they report zero positive tests after a qualifying round after you know call it phase one the fact that they report zero positive tests after phase one is remarkable that you have that many people in a contained space in the middle of a of a global pandemic and none of them have tested positive for the coronavirus asymptomatic or symptomatic nobody in the nhl bubble has the coronavirus which is just Amazing that they were able to pull this off and amazing that they were able to do this. And I think that moving forward, especially now that you're going to have more and more teams and players and coaches and staff leaving the bubble, it's just going to make things a lot easier. It's going to be smooth sailing from here on out. So I'm really I'm really just proud of the work that the NHL's done and just wanted to give a quick shout out because not only has it been safe and has it been sanctioned, and you know, from a health perspective, that everything's running smoothly. But while while doing all of that, the, the hockey's been very quality, and that's one thing that you can't deny 
watching these games is it, it felt like playoff hockey. I, we, we went through a, a three-month span for a while where you had no sports on. You were I was dying inside the house, you know, wishing that the Bruins were in the playoffs and watching Boston Bruins hockey, watching reruns of the 2019 run, which was magical, not a big deal. And, you know, we went months without hockey. And I'm not going to lie, I was nervous when it came back. I didn't know how quality the hockey was going to be. thought these guys were going to be rusty. I didn't know if the new playoff format was going to work necessarily. And I was pleasantly surprised with, with how smooth it's been running and how great the hockey's been. Uh, you look at a series like, uh, let's say, Carolina and New York, for example, the qualifying round series, or even the team like uh, like the Columbus Blue Jackets playing against the Toronto Maple Leafs, really good series. It felt like a like a deep round playoff um, hockey. Like all those games felt like deep round playoff hockey games. When in reality, these teams were just playing for a spot in the the final sixteen team bracket, which was crazy to think that wow, it, it's already this competitive. It's already this electric. But we're just for the next three months, we're just in. You know, we're going to be treated to some unreal hockey games. Uh, you look at that game with Toronto and, and Columbus in the um, in Game 4 when Toronto was down 3-zip and they ended up coming back and tying the game. I mean, besides the Boston Bruins comeback on the Toronto Maple Leafs, ironically, the same thing happened to them seven years ago. Besides that game, I can't think of a game in recent history that I've been more like glued to a comeback story for if that makes any sense at all and I'm not a Maple Leafs fan I don't like the Maple Leafs obviously I like to beat the Maple Leafs but I didn't have a I didn't have a dog I didn't have a horse in this race I didn't have a dog in this fight so watching just good hockey for me was was awesome and when I was in that moment I was rooting for the Maple Leafs to come back I wanted Columbus to win the series but when you see a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs so, so stacked. Oh my God. You're paying all this money for guys like Tavares, Marner, Matthews, Riley, Nylander, Hyman. Um, you're paying all this money, even Tyson Berry, all this money to those guys. And they just have, have not found playoff success. And I was sitting there as they're on the verge of elimination saying to myself, well, how is this team going to get it together? I mean, year in and year out, the Toronto Maple Leafs are, you know, the, the team that is that is bounced in the first round and, and always written off and they're always gonna they're always gonna come into a series even if they're the better team they're always gonna come into a series with that underdog label on them with that scarlet letter because you know the the Maple Leafs in recent playoff history the last decade have have not gotten out of the first round the Maple Leafs haven't gotten out of the first round and and or missed the playoffs so sitting there watching game four with this team down three nothing i'm pretty sure everybody who was watching that game was saying this is over I mean, the columbus blue jackets are the better team they played better this whole series they had a deep playoff run last year where they knocked off the top team in the east in a in a series sweep too and everyone at that moment was saying this is this is columbus's series they're going on to play the lightning while that did reign true in game five the maple leafs just you know, something something turned on for them. They they flipped a switch all of a sudden in their uh, in their arsenal, and we saw them kind of do something that we haven't seen them do in in recent playoff history, which was actually looked like a playoff team. And that game was such a playoff hockey game to me. You've got a team 
you know, fighting for their lives, down 3-0. They did not look good the whole game. Their offense just couldn't connect. Uh, goaltending continues to be an issue for them. They just did not look good. I'm pretty sure every single person who was watching that game at 3-0 completely wrote off the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, and then something switched, and they started to play like a playoff team. And that's, that's what you love to see, and that's what I think is going to be good about these playoffs is teams that we haven't necessarily seen um, playing well in, in the last few years in the playoffs are given an opportunity because it was a shortened season to, you know, kind of find, find some magic, if you will. Uh, I think the Maple Leafs were a team that kind of said, screw it. We're, we're, we are, we know we're like, we have nothing to lose at this point. We're, we've been bounced in the first round almost every year by the Boston Bruins or are not even made the playoffs. We have a chance to, to, to go into the final 16 team bracket right here, fighting for our lives. Let's put something together. And they did. And they scored, what, three goals in three minutes. Three very entertaining goals in three minutes, too, I'll have you. And it was so fun to watch. It just it gave you that gave me that excitement. I was like, playoff hockey that we're watching right here. We were, I was 100% keyed in on the game. Uh, it, it was exciting. It was good hockey. And, and that's been true of every series. Um, I'd love to get the other guys on and talk about the Maple Leafs a little bit more because that's a team that that as a hockey fan, not just as a Bruins fan, but as a hockey fan, definitely a head scratcher for me. Why why that team can't seem to to, to put something together and to, to string together some wins in the postseason. That that's definitely concerning if you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Uh, to to have to sit back and watch your team lose in the first round year after year after year when you continue to get lottery draft picks, great free agent signings, great off-season moves. Um, I, I, the one thing that comes to mind is the goaltending. I don't think Anderson's a solid goaltender. I don't ever think in the NHL he's been considered a solid goaltender. So I think that uh, if, if they're looking to make a difference, I said this last year after the Bruins knocked them out in the first round, I think the back end is where you start. Uh, I think your offense is, is more than okay right now. I think your offense is probably one of the better offenses in the conference. They've got goal scorers, playmakers, grinders, veteran guys, young guns. They've got everything. And it's a roster that if you look at it on paper, it should be clicking. And it's definitely setting off an alarm for for the front office in Toronto that it hasn't clicked so far. So if you're asking me, I think that the solution to this team, uh, to this team kind of finding some success in the playoffs is goaltending. Um, I'd love to go more in depth on that, but obviously we have um, we have a lot to uh, to cover in this episode. We've got an hour and four minutes until puck drop on the official NHL playoffs. So let's get into the predictions right now. Um, I, I know that everyone's got an opinion about this. Uh, it's definitely going to be an interesting playoff, and it's it's fun for us because this is probably one of the the first times in in uh, well definitely the first time since like we've started TBR, but one of the first times in NHL playoff history where it's not so clear cut. You've got a team like the Canadians that weren't supposed to be in the playoffs at all. And, and they're, they have a chance to, to go deep. Uh, do I think it's realistic that they will? No, but uh, they have a chance and I'm a never say never kind of guy. I'm never going to write a team out of a series until, until it's officially over. So when I'm looking at a series like that, let's start there. Flyers and Canadians, uh, first series on my docket, the first seed and the 
throw air quotes around eighth seed because really the Canadians are the 12th seed in the conference, but they were able to knock off the Penguins, and since they're the 12th seed, they become the eighth seed. So, Flyers and Canadians. Yes, you can build a case for the underdog Canadians here because they did look good against the Penguins. Uh, I think their win from the Penguins was more a loss for the Penguins than it was a win for the Canadians, if that makes sense at all. Um, I think that the Penguins lost that series more than the Canadians won it. Uh, the Penguins, a team that were pretty much missed being in the round-robin series by only a, a handful of points. Uh, the Penguins have been a phenomenal team in the NHL for the past 15 years. Ever since Crosby showed up, ever since Malkin showed up, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury led them to some great postseason success. Obviously, he's not there anymore. Um, but, yeah, the the, 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 uh, the Penguins just didn't look good to me. So um, I'm not tooting the Canadians' horn any more than I would be, um, I don't know, a team like, let's say, that the uh, like the Blue Jackets were in eighth seed. I think that the Canadians are an average playoff team right now. And if you consider them anything more than that, I, I encourage you to just go back and look at their performance against the Penguins. It wasn't great. Um, I'll give guys like Petrie and Domi and Gallagher some credit where credit is due. Uh, they looked good. They looked real good. And uh, But the whole team, the team as a whole, Carey Price as a goaltender, uh, I don't think he was, he was anything special. I don't think he was phenomenal. Uh, I, I don't want to come out, come onto this podcast and say, you know, Carey Price, great goaltender. Uh, he, he looked great, and he uh, and he's definitely in postseason form. Let's let, let's take a few steps back. Carey Price isn't a playoff goaltender. He never has been. Um, he probably will never win a Stanley Cup. And if he goes on and proves me wrong this year and goes and wins a Stanley Cup, then uh, egg on my face. But to me, Carey Price not a playoff goaltender. I don't think the Canadians have gone have gone deep in the playoffs for a long time. Uh, conference finals, maybe. Uh, I don't think I can't remember. I don't think they've been to a Stanley Cup final since the 1990s. And uh, you can point fingers left and right. You can point fingers at the management. You can point fingers at Price. You can point fingers at the players. End of the day, this is a team. This is an organization that has not been to a Stanley Cup final in a long time. And they missed, the, they missed out on a couple playoffs when they lost Subban, um, when they lost uh, Galchenyuk, when they lost um, Pacioretty. You, you know, remember the, the Canadians teams of the early 2010s. Uh, they, they missed out on some playoffs, and they missed out on some, some division success when those guys left and never really recovered. So if I'm looking at this series and I'm looking at Carey Price, who I think is not a great playoff goaltender, I'm not saying Carey Price isn't a good goalie. I'm saying he's not built for the playoffs like I think Carter Hart is. And you might be sitting here and saying that I'm out of my mind by saying that Carter Hart's a playoff goaltender. Look at the way the kid is played. I Yes, I mean, he's a young goaltender, young in this league, but give me the fact that, man, doesn't he look like a seasoned veteran. Carter Hart has stood on his head his whole career. He's never been flaky. He's never been soft. He's always been a solid backbone. He's turned the Flyers around, in my opinion. The Flyers didn't get too deep um, on the front end or on defense. Uh, they've got, they had Goss's bear. 
there. Obviously, Voracek and Giroux are still there. Uh, Konechny's a good player. Uh, he's obviously not like a, uh, a, a you know Rocket Richard candidate by any means, but he's a good player. I, I can see him drawing comparisons to Panarin and Pasternak. Um, they've got a good team. I think Carter Hart kind of turned the program around a little bit. And, uh, and I think you're going to see within the next few years, obviously the Flyers were the fourth seed coming into it and then one out in the round robin to become the first seed. So, you know, call it what you will. I think in the next few years, you're going to see the Flyers competing for that top seed in the Eastern Conference with teams like Boston, with teams like Tampa Bay, with teams like the New York Rangers, who I think are coming coming soon. I think they're, they've been on a little bit of a mini rebuild, and now that they got the first pick, I think they're definitely coming soon. But teams like Boston, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, those are going to be your top dogs in the East for the next five to ten years. And I think Carter Hart's a big part of that. So when I go back and I look at this series, Flyers versus um, Flyers versus Canadians, it's a no-brainer for me that the Flyers are going to win this series. I've got the Flyers in five games. I'll give the Canadians a game. Uh, the Canadians looked good, not great. Uh, against a team like the Flyers, they'll probably look okay, not good. Um, I'll give them a game. I'll give them like a game three. Uh, but this just, for me, the Flyers looked way too good. Um, and you want to talk about, uh, like, I don't know how to put this. You want to talk about playoff experience in the head coaching department? This series offers a lot of that. Uh, you've got Claude Julien knows how to take a team to the playoffs. He took the Bruins to, he won a Stanley Cup with the Bruins. He took them to another cup final. He's taken them deep before. Uh, he plays a very old school way of hockey. Uh, he runs a very old school system. He loves, he loves defense. He eats defense up. So Claude Julien, uh, when you're manning the Canadians in a playoff series against the Flyers, it's going to be interesting to see him go up against, um, Michelle Terrien and Elaine Vigneault, people who, two coaches who have found great playoff success wherever they've been. Um, and I think that the Flyers are a very offensive heavy team. I think that they like to score goals. They like to get their nose around the net. I think that uh, the Canadians are a very defensive heavy team. I like, I think they like to bang the bodies and they like to, uh, and they like to get into the corners, the nitty gritty plays and they like to uh, to kind of show off the show off the uh, the bulk, if you will. It's going to be a clash for sure. Uh, it's not going to be a cakewalk for the Flyers. Uh, it's also not going to be um, a, a gritty, grindy seven-game series, in my opinion. I think we'll be treated to some good hockey, but the Flyers just look way too good right now for me to write them off and for me to to try and say that a team that wasn't even supposed to be in the playoffs in the first place is going to is going to beat them. There's just no way that, that I can, with a straight face, say to anybody, yeah, the, the 12th seed are going to be the, the, the best-looking team in the East right now. Yeah, sure, why not? Uh, so I've got the Flyers moving on to the next round. Next series, which I think is going to be one of the better series in the conference, the number two seed Lightning against the, I guess, number seven seed Columbus now. Uh Listen, this is a playoff rematch from last year's first round. Everybody wants to get on the Columbus hype train. Everybody wants to point fingers back to last year and say, hey, they swept them last year. Um, they are, uh, they're going to do it again. Um, I may be on that train. I may not be. Here's what I know. They're not going to sweep them. The, the Tampa Bay Lightning came back from, from that uh, playoff series after being swept 
and embarrassed by the Columbus Blue Jackets. They came back from that series saying, we're never going to let that happen ever again. So that, that I know. I know for a fact that the Lightning won't get swept. Here's where it gets interesting. I think that the Columbus Blue Jackets are a very good team. I think that if the regular season had continued on as, as it was planning to without the coronavirus, I think the Columbus Blue Jackets would have been a higher seed in the East. They play some great hockey. Tortorella, uh, early in his career, was never really taken seriously as a coach. Uh, he was always lashing out at his players, lashing out on the bench. He jumped around from team to team, uh, never really finding playoff success. He has definitely struck gold in Columbus. And uh, let's, let's, let's take a look at this team for a second. The Columbus team of 2019 of last year was a lot better than the Columbus team of 2020. I'll give the, the Tampa Bay uh, fans that at the minimum, that this Columbus team is probably worse than Columbus team of last year. I'll give everybody that. You lost Bobrovsky, you lost Panarin. I'll give people that, that I think that Columbus was better last year. Um, do I think they're a bad team? No. I think the Columbus Blue Jackets, if anything, are better on the ice this year than they were last year. And that's crazy to say. And you may and you may say to me, like, well, how can you say that when you had guys like Panarin and Bobrovsky? First of all, Bobrovsky's not a good goaltender. You can fight me on that as much as you want. Sergei Bobrovsky, not a good goaltender, has never proven himself in this league. Uh, he was lucky when he came to Columbus and, and was able to make the playoffs. But in my opinion, he's not a good goaltender. And we've seen that in Florida. Florida's paying him $10 million a year to let in these really soft goals. Um, they've got a very good goaltending situation in Columbus right now. You can roll with um, Merzlikens, I think is how you say his name. I don't even know how to pronounce it. You can roll with him or you can roll with Corpusalo. Uh, Merzlikens has come in um, later. In the, se- in the in the qualifying series, uh, Corpusalo got yanked. Um, I think Merzlikens starts today. Uh, I haven't looked at the lineup cards. I haven't looked at the, the final uh, submitted lineups because I've obviously, you all know, I'm in the car right now. But if I had the ability to, then I'd be more informed. But if, if I'm a betting man, I think Elvis Merzlikens or whatever you say, however you say it, he's going to get the nod in net. Um, talking about last year's series, Tampa Bay and Columbus, uh, I believe Kucherov was suspended for the greater part of that series. Uh, if you know, forgive me if I'm wrong on that, and I'm trying to to jog my memory on that. But I believe that Kucherov was suspended for a game or two, or am I or am I thinking of maybe I'm wrong? Um, but I know for a fact that this Tampa Bay team was not healthy. Very similar to the team that we're looking at right now, the Tampa Bay Lightning. For some reason can't stay healthy. And I don't know what it is. Stamkos always seems to be hurt for some reason. I feel like going back the past like five years, Steven Stamkos has always been hurt. Uh, another uh, player who we don't know is shooting up or not, Victor Hedman. Uh, one of the better defensemen in the league right now is questionable coming into this series. And even if he plays, you know he's not at 100%. Everyone saw that injury. It, it didn't look good. It looked a lot worse than they're saying it was. I don't I don't think it was. I think it's a bad injury that he's going to try and play through. Um, and I respect that, but you know he's not going to be at 100%. There's just no way that he's going to be at 100% for this series. So taking all of that into account, taking the wave of momentum that the Columbus Blue Jackets have right now, and taking 
what happened last year into account, I'm giving Columbus this series. I've got Columbus in seven. I, I really think that the Columbus Blue Jackets are going to knock off the Tampa Bay Lightning in seven games. No, I don't think it's going to be a season, a series sweep like uh, like last year. Everyone wants to make it out to be like that. But I think that uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets are going to win this series. Call me crazy, but I think that the Columbus Blue Jackets are going to win this series. Um, Tortorella knows his team. He knows his guys. The team didn't get too um, different from last year. They, uh, they kept their core guys. Uh, Seth Jones, great defender. Uh, you've still got your guys up front. You've got Duclaw, um, who, who is a very talented uh, forward. Uh, the team didn't change that much. You didn't switch everything up about this Columbus team. Tampa Bay's injured. I don't see a way that um, an injured Tampa Bay Lightning team can can kind of combat the uh, the wave of momentum that the Blue Jackets are uh, are riding right now. So I'm taking Columbus in seven in that series. Next series, uh, Washington and and New York Islanders. Uh, pretty much a no brainer for me. Um, I'd love to build a case for the Islanders. Uh, I'd love to buy into the whole um, Barry Trotz against his old team that he won the Stanley Cup with. I'd love to buy into that uh, and, and try and give the underdogs the, uh, the win in this one. But realistically, this is a Washington Capitals team that's that's built for this type of moment. They're built for playoff success. You've got one of the best goal scorers of all time on your team. Uh, you've got one of the better playoff goalies on your team in Braden Holby. You've got some some great defenders on that team. Uh, you've got a good coaching staff. You've got a good system in place. I don't see it. I don't see the Islanders um, making this one close at all. Um, I, I, in my opinion, I'll give uh, I'll give the uh, the Washington Capitals this series in, in four or five games. Uh, the Islanders are a team that. Um, as of recent, have been better in the playoffs. Have been, you know, building up more of a name for themselves. They lost Tavares, but got better somehow. I think the addition of Matt Barzal definitely helped. Um, they had a stud goal in Robin Leonard last year, uh, who ended up leaving. But um, but it's definitely a team that's kind of turned the tides of the organization. You know, they went through they went through a uh, a good while there where they were a joke in the NHL for a while in the Mike Milbury days and the, uh, and the Fisherman days. Uh, fun fact, only ever uh, human mascot to be used on an NHL jersey, New York Islanders. Um, but I think that they definitely turned the tides of the organization. You know, they moved to, to uh, the Barclays Center. People didn't like it. They moved, they're moving back to, uh, to the island, out to uh, Nassau. Um, There's a team that in, and I say this about a lot of teams that are, that are on that bubble right now, a team that within the next like four or five years could be could be a real good playoff team. Right now, they're not necessarily there, and these are the steps that you have to go through as a team. Every every NHL organization's been through it before. Uh, every single organization's been through it. Uh, it. It's the Bruins went through it. Uh, the uh, the Lightning sure went through it. The Canadians have been through it, kind of going through it again right now. Uh, it happens before you become a solid playoff team year in and year out contending for the cup. You kind of got to go through that, that middle phase where like, yeah, you know, you're good and you can definitely give a team a run for their money. But at the end of the day, you know, no one's taking it seriously enough. We're like, yeah, you're going to win the cup. 
Uh, I think that's kind of what the Hurricanes are right now, too. And we'll get to the Hurricanes in a second. But I think that's kind of what the Hurricanes were last year, where they did the stupid celebrations after the games, and they were like, they got hot and they caught fire, and no one was really considering them to be like a, a serious contender. Uh, they made it all the way to the conference finals. Good for them. But, uh, but I think a lot of that had to do with just being a fluke. I think they definitely came back a stronger team this year. But, uh, but take them as a perfect example. You know, they're that team that had to go through a little bit of playoff adversity before they could be considered a, uh, a serious contender, which I think a lot of people consider the Carolina Hurricanes a serious contender this year. So uh, it, it just you just kind of got to go through that phase a little bit and, and go through the uh, go through the um, go through the ranks a little bit if you're the Islanders. So I've got Caps in. I'll say a series sweep. This will be the first sweep coming out of the Eastern Conference. Caps in four. Um, I, I I just I like the way the Capitals look. They, they they didn't look great in the round robin, but I'm not judging um, the round robin you know on a team. Uh, yeah, the Flyers looked good in the round robin. That's why they're the number one seed. But the Flyers looked good all year. Uh, same thing with the Lightning. You know, the Lightning struggled early on, but then they caught fire. They're the second seed. They looked good in the round robin, but they looked good all year. So I, you can't really dock a team for their performance in the round robin right now. And I'm not going to do that for Washington. They Washington came dangerously close to not winning a single game in the round robin they did pick up a point with the overtime uh or the shootout loss rather which was a great shootout but um but no i'm not going to say that just because the capitals didn't look good in the round robin means they're not going to look good against the islanders i think they'll they'll handle the islanders pretty easily i think it'd be a different story if they were playing the hurricanes uh again a little bit of a repeat from last year but uh i've got caps in four all right now on to the series that is probably exciting the most people right now and uh for a four and five seed kind kind of seems like a little bit of the stanley cup final um i think this has major major implications down the road for for the whole eastern conference and the whole league we're talking a rematch of last year's eastern conference final we've got bruins we've got hurricanes the four seed against the five seed the boston bruins president's trophy president trophy winning team were the clear-cut number one seed in the Eastern Conference coming into the bubble. Uh, just didn't show up in the round robin at all. Didn't show up against the Blue Jackets. Didn't show up in the round robin. Uh, the offense looked horrible. And when I say horrible, I mean like JV ice hockey horrible. The um, For a team that won the President's Trophy that was, that was apparently the best offense in hockey, they didn't look it in, in the round robin. Uh, granted, they did run into some tough teams. But I said this um, on a few podcasts throughout uh, the coronavirus, throughout quarantine, that I, I stuck by the, uh, the thinking that the younger teams were going to do better coming out of this, uh, out of the coronavirus break than the older teams, or even individual guys. The younger guys are going to do better than the older guys. Because you look at a guy like Zidane O'Char, let's take him for example, about as seasoned as seasoned veterans come. Six foot nine barefoot, probably seven foot on skates, uh, absolute tank of a human being, uh, definitely lost his touch as, as he's gotten older, uh, never been the most, you know, skilled guy on the ice, but he's definitely, definitely can, can make something happen, he's a guy you want on the ice too in these types of games, he's been there before, he's won a Stanley Cup, he's been to multiple, he's been in the playoffs almost every season in his career, almost every season. 
barring a few, he's been to the playoffs a lot. He's pretty much played against like every playoff team that there is to play against. And uh, and he knows the guys in this league. He knows what it's like to lose game sevens. He knows what it's like to win game sevens. He knows what a sweep feels like. He knows what it feels like to, to sweep another team. So this is the guy you want on your team. This is the guy that you want in the locker room. But I said, coming out of the quarantine, Zidane Chara, at his age, is a player that needs a routine to be consistent. He needs to be on the ice every day. He needs to be playing in competitive hockey games every day. Because when you take a three-month break like that and then jump right back into a playoff setting, it's different. It takes a while for a guy like him to get his legs back. You see it at the beginning of every single season. And David Backus was the same way. David Backus became a healthy scratch at the end of his tenure with the Boston Bruins. Um, you see that it takes them a little bit longer to get their legs back than the younger guys. And I'm not saying, oh, Zidane Char is terrible, he can't get his legs back. He's just older. You know, when you're at that age and you're still playing competitive hockey, you look at the average age in the NHL, is probably like, what, 24 or 25? And Zidane Char is like 40. He's like pushing, you know, the, the retirement age. It takes a little bit longer for you to get your legs back, you know, matched up against these other guys. And the league is changing. It's, it's not a favorable league for a guy like Chara. It's not a banging bodies, you know, going to the corner, laying guys out, um, you know, playing the body instead of the puck league anymore. And, it, and it's, it turned on a dime. Uh, it turned into a fast-paced, you know, tape-to-tape passes, play the system. Um, it turned into that kind of league. And it, it turned into that kind of league fast, very fast. And uh, it, it, it took a minute for guys to adjust. And you still see some guys adjusting, guys like Sean Thornton, guys like Lucic. They were kind of run out of the league. I know Lucic is still in the league. But guys like that were kind of run out of the league. You know, Sean Avery types, completely run out of the league. Uh, and, and you can say whatever you will about that. But... You know, it's a different league. It's a different game. The game's changing. It's not all about big hits anymore. Yeah, the big hits still exist, and and, in playoffs, you need them. turns the tide of a game. The fights still exist. turns the tide of a game. All about momentum in the playoffs. But it's not a Zidane Ochara-friendly league anymore. So I said, coming out of quarantine, a guy like Zidane Ochara, who's, you know, had to change his game as the league has changed, it's going to take him a little bit longer to get his legs back. And, and he's not just going to show up, you know, day one, you know, July 1st, and just be the, the mid-season Zidane Chara that, that we all know. The guy who, you know, in the playoffs breaks his jaw blocking a shot and comes back the next game. You know, we're not going to see him on the first day of camp. And he, he has not looked good. Uh, our defense, with the exception of a few players, not looked good. Uh, talking about Jeremy Lazan or whatever, I'm not on his. I'm not on the Jeremy Lazan hype train at all. He's turned the puck over like five times more than Charlie McAvoy has in his career in in just the three four games that they played in the bubble. I'm not big on him. I think we need to get back to Connor Clifton. I think Matt Grizzly needs to turn it on. McAvoy's looked good. He struggled in the scrimmage, but he's looked good since then. Uh, Carlo looked good. I think he needs to step it up a little bit. But, uh, but if there's a positive to take away from this round robin with the Boston Bruins, it's that everybody's healthy. And that's probably the, uh, the, the biggest thing for me is that everybody's healthy. With the exception of Kevin Miller, who, just, just a quick like side note, where is Kevin Miller? 
Where has he been? I feel like the guy has had a shoulder injury for four years now. I haven't seen Kevin Miller suit up to play a game for the Boston Bruins since 2016. Why is he still a member of the team? He just like That's a waste of space at that point. I love Kevin Miller, but he's always hurt. So why is he on the team? Just let me know. Shoot me a DM at TBR Sports on Instagram. Let me know why Kevin Miller is still on the Boston Bruins. Back to the point, though. I think that if you want to find any positive, if you want to see the glass as half full instead of ha- instead of half empty, I think that your biggest takeaway from, from the Bruins' uh, performance in the bubble so far is that everybody stayed healthy. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of old heads in the hockey league, in the you know hockey NHL community that want to say, oh, the Bruins didn't look good in the round robin. They're not the same team. It's a new season. They're going to lose to the Hurricanes. Can we can we just like remember who this team is for a second? President Trophy winning had one of the best goal scorers in the league. Made it to Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Final last year. Uh, got screwed on a bad call against the Lightning in the conference semifinal two years ago in a series which they probably should have won. Got you, you know the the list goes on and on. We won the Stanley Cup nine years ago. Uh, we went to another Stanley Cup in 2013 during a shortened season. Uh, we missed the playoffs in 15-16, and then ever since 2017, we've been a consistent playoff team, and it's looking like it's going to be that way for the long haul. We can't forget who this team is, what we're built of, and, and, and what we're made of. Bruce Cassidy has done a phenomenal job with this team since taking over from Claude Julian's termination. Bruce Cassidy's done a phenomenal job. He knows his guys. He probably, you know, during the bubble, I, this is very optimistic thinking. He probably, during the bubble, didn't want to show his full hand, and uh, and that's fine. Uh, it was frustrating to watch as a Bruins fan, uh, you know, literally being in the heart of Boston this past Sunday, watching the game at, uh, at a restaurant, and literally just, like, wanting to, to throw my phone at the screen. Uh, it was frustrating to watch, but, hey, we're past that now. I think that... I'm gonna be the opt- I'm gonna I'm gonna start the trend of being the optimistic Bruins fan right now and say that Bruce Cassidy wasn't playing wasn't showing his full hand and that he's got something up his sleeve. These guys are gonna turn it around. They know that they can beat the Carolina Hurricanes. They know that the Carolina Hurricanes aren't the same caliber as them. So, am I nervous for this series? Probably a question that that TBR is going to get a lot within the next week. Are we nervous about the Bruins losing this series? Gonna be honest with you, yeah, I'm a little nervous. This Carolina team looks good. Uh, they're they're in great form right now. They have definitely become a uh, a solid household name in the Stanley Cup playoffs in the last two years. Do I do I take them seriously as a Stanley Cup candidate? No, not at all. Uh, if you want to ask me about the Carolina Hurricanes' depth, I think they're a bunch of frauds. I think that. Sebastian Ajo's a great player. I think that Svechnikov's a great player. I think that Teravine is a great player. Other than that, they don't they don't do anything for me. The Carolina Hurricanes don't do anything for me. They don't excite me. It's not a team where I hear Carolina Hurricanes and I think good hockey, good clean hockey. The team that does that for me is the Columbus Blue Jackets. When I hear Blue Jackets, I think of no nonsense hockey, no, you know, stupid penalties taken, no, you know, the extra here and there with the celebrations at the end of the games, which I can't stand, by the way. Um, When I hear the Columbus Blue Jackets, I'm excited. Good, clean, young hockey team. And they excite. And we saw it in the playoffs last year. They definitely sent a shockwave 
around the uh, around the NHL world when they swept the number one team is is how I'll look at it. If you want to talk about the uh, the Carolina Hurricanes in depth, do they have any? No, they don't. They're top heavy, real top heavy too. I'll add, like very top heavy. Like 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 after the first line. Kind of, kind of, uh, it kind of goes downhill from there. Uh, their goaltending, I think, is so weak. I think Peter Mrazek is a is a career backup, landed a starting job with the Hurricanes. Do I think that he's a serious uh, starting goaltender in the league? No. Is is he ever mentioned as one of the top goaltenders in the league? No. Who is the guy on the other side of the ice? Tuka Rask, Vesna Trophy winning goaltender, up for the Vesna this year. Uh, always a consistent goaltender. Not necessarily the best playoff goaltender. Uh, he kind of folds under pressure. We saw him let up two goals on four shots in Game 7 against the Blues last year. Uh, something that just can't happen when you're in that situation. You can blame it on Martian. You can blame it on defense. Whatever. At the end of the day, Tukarask is the last line in defense, and he's folded under pressure in, in recent playoff history. Peter Mrazek is, is a career backup. I, I, you know, just, just look back at his career. He's never been in a serious starting role before. The guy who has in that organization is James Reimer. Let's talk about Reimer for a second. For those for those of you who remember Reimer, James Reimer was the uh, was the was the snowflake goaltender from Toronto, who uh, who basically blew the 2013 Cup run for his team single-handedly. Uh, after that, never really heard too much about him. Uh, I think. He had a cup of coffee with the Florida Panthers. I know that he's now backing up a backup in Carolina. So that's James Reimer for you. The backup to the backup, basically. Peter Mrazek, in my opinion, is a, is a career backup goaltender. James Reimer is probably more of a starter than Peter Mrazek, and they've got him on the bench. So if, if you're matching these two teams up, yeah. I think that the biggest argument being made right now is that the Carolina Hurricanes look good and that the Bruins don't. I think that's the only thing that makes this series close. And tonight will be very telling for the Boston Bruins. I think if the Bruins come out tonight and do classic, uh, you know, bad Bruins hockey, and they they go down early and then, you know, leave the, the big, you know, last-ditch effort for the very end of the game, then I think, yeah, all right. Now I'm worried. Now Carolina's now Carolina's gonna you know take advantage of that, and they're gonna get the better of us. But I think that the only thing going into the series that keeps it close is the fact that Carolina looked good and that the Bruins didn't. And I'll stand by that. I think that if if the if the Bruins looked good in the round robin, we don't have this conversation right now. If the Bruins came out in the round round robin and took one or two games away. Uh, and maybe like an overtime or a shootout loss out of those the three games that they played, and maybe in the scrimmage they won too. They took some wins out of the uh, out of the first round. We're not having this conversation at all right now. We, it's, it's it's an afterthought in my opinion that although the Bruins might lose this series, probably not. The only thing keeping them close is that the Bruins went over in the bubble, and that the Carolina Hurricanes did it. The Carolina Hurricanes have won out, and the Bruins haven't. So that's what's keeping this series close right now. If you want to realistically talk about who's going to uh, to win this series, I think that it would be it would be wise to say the Boston Bruins. If I'm a betting man, which I am, if you follow DBR and you listen to the podcast, you know that I like to throw some money around on some games and on some crazy, you know, crazy mismatches, some crazy spreads. Uh, 
i.e. Super Bowl 50, whatever we're on, for whatever Super Bowl this was. Um, I think that if you're going to put money on this series, don't put it on the Hurricanes. Uh, and, and, you know, take that, take that as you will. I think the Boston Bruins win this one in five games. There's my big prediction. I think you're going to see your, your Bruins, you know, even if they drop game one, uh, I think they're winning this series. Uh, what would concern me is if they go down early in game one and lose, and then early in game two and lose, and then I, I, you know, I, I'd be concerned because through through the four games that I've seen them play, coming off the coronavirus break, it seemed like a struggle. It seemed like a major struggle for them to get anything going on offense. It just seems like everything takes ten times more of an effort. Uh, guys like David Pasternak, Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron have been silent, absolutely silent. It's like Wagner who's bringing up the rear. Wagner and Corrali, I love those two. I love the way those two play. Um, and it's, it, I don't want to put my faith in the bottom six like we did for the first two rounds of last year's playoffs. Uh, I, I need Pasternak to turn it on. I need our power play, which is 0 for 9 through the round robin series. They need to score goals. When the Boston Bruins get a power play, best power play in the league in 2019-2020, when they get a power play, that should be a goal. Before they even hit the, before the first power play group hits the ice, that's a goal in my opinion. If the Bruins go up a man, that's a goal in my opinion, especially against the Carolina Hurricanes. I think that we need to capitalize on those moments, and that's what it comes down to in the playoffs: capitalizing on the moments when they come your way. If you're gonna, if you're gonna squander those opportunities on the power play, and and you know wait for last ditch efforts and and rely on your bottom six guys to provide all the offense for you, then it is not going to be a fun series for the Boston Bruins. I'll tell you that. But if we can, if Bruce Cassidy, which I think he can, and I think he has, can whip these guys into shape for this series, sit them down in the locker room and say, like, look, you know who you are. The Boston Bruins, you're the number one team in the league, and you're coming into this playoffs as a four seed. Everybody is going to write the Bruins off like they do every year. For some reason, the NHL world doesn't want to give the Bruins the time of day. And I think we're going to continue to prove them wrong. They said we were going to lose to the Maple Leafs. We won in seven games. They said we were going to lose to the Columbus Blue Jackets. We won in six games. They said we were going to lose to the Hurricanes. We swept them. And, you know, evidently they were right that we lost to the Blues. But I think that you, if you're the Boston Bruins, continue to prove everybody wrong. I think everybody is going to take Carolina in this series. I think everybody is going to take Carolina. I've been hearing it all over the place. Carolina in six. Carolina in seven. I've got Bruins in five. Call me a, uh, a biased Bruins fan at that point, but I've got Bruins in five. I, I don't think, I don't think that, uh, I don't think that they, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes really stand a chance against a prime, you know, mid playoff form Bruins. And I think that they're going to find their stride tonight. Uh, you want game one predictions? Why not? Let's give them to you. Uh, game one, I've got Bruins tonight, three, one, uh, over the Hurricanes. I think that it's going to be kind of like last year where uh, they went back and forth in the first period and the Bruins kind of ran away with it. They ended up winning the game 5-2. Uh, I've got Bruins 3-1 tonight. I think it, it'll be a competitive uh, first inning. Uh, sorry, not inning. Jason drove by a baseball field when I said that. Uh, competitive first period. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, Boston Bruins are running away with this game and running away with this series. I'll give Carolina a game, one game. But at the end of the day, the Bruins are the Bruins, and they're always going to come out on top. Um I won't dive into full playoff predictions right now 
because I'd like to do that with other people. Um, I think that you guys have probably heard me talk about the Eastern Conference enough for now. Uh, just a quick little, uh, what is it, 50-minute episode that I did on my drive home from the oil change store, if that's what it is indeed called. Um, but yeah, those are my first-round predictions. Um, I'd love to hear your guys. If you maybe, maybe fill out a bracket and let me know. Uh, maybe we'll do a TBR bracket challenge again like we tried to do at the March Madness. Uh, maybe a little giveaway. We have a new merch drop coming soon. We've got some shirts with my face on it, which is cool. Carp's face on a shirt, my face on a shirt. Uh, very cool stuff. So uh, maybe we'll do a merch drop, but I'd just love to hear your guys' thoughts. Um, you know, Get at me with that. Let me know. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank you all for listening to uh, episode 39 of The Review. And we'll see you next time for episode 40. Thanks.